the privilege we have of prayer is that we get to talk to God, not just a God, but the God, and that He is so amazing. He is so powerful. He is so off the charts that it's, it's just amazing that you and I can talk to Him. You're listening to Wonder Lake Bible Church, building mature followers of Jesus Christ. Find us online at wlbiblechurch.org. Now, here's today's message. Well, folks, we are privileged to have with us here today, as I said, Doug and Sherry Anderson. Uh, Doug and Sherry are two of our own who went out uh, from, it was probably, what, a couple of years ago that you went out uh, from the church or the mission field? So it it really, it's amazing. They serve with uh, First Nations people in Canada, in British Columbia. And uh, boy, how long has it been? About 30 years now? 42. 42. I see, what do you got? 30, 42 years. Okay. I knew it had been a while, longer than that, 42 years. So it's amazing. They really, they have a wonderful ministry there. So we're delighted to have them with us here today. And uh, Doug has a message uh, that's really been on his heart. We had a chance to talk about it the other day. And uh, I think you would like to hear it too. So would you please welcome Doug Anderson. Doug. Thank you. Yeah, it's hard to believe 42 years. It's good to be here. Um, yeah, we went when we were both three. <laughs> Pretty young as a missionaries, but anyway, uh, yeah, it is good to be here with all of you. And uh, just be, I know people have prayed already, but I would just like to start our time in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the privilege of being here. We just praise your name, Lord God, for your great power, for your steadfast love that reaches to the heavens. Beyond what any of us can express or even comprehend, but we thank you that you've made yourself known to us, and I pray that as we look at your word this morning, that you will just guide and direct in our time together this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. As Pastor said, I was here before and spoke for just a little bit, and Truth is, the reason I had to come back is because I, I didn't do it good enough. And I got to keep coming back till I get it right. So I don't know. I could be here for a while. Anyway, it is a privilege to be here, and I, I appreciate the opportunity to share with all of you this morning. Um, several years ago, I, was, uh, had the, uh, I would go to this pastor's conference that's in, uh, out in California at John MacArthur's church. It was called uh, Shepherd's Conference. And uh, while we were there one year, we had a, uh, our director, he asked me, he said, do you want to go to the early morning prayer time before the rest of the conference starts? There's about four or 5,000 pastors that are at this conference. And uh, he said, they have this early morning prayer time and just like an hour before everything starts. I said, sure, I'll go to that with you. And uh, so we went to this prayer time. And uh, there's probably about 200 pastors at that. And this guy got up in the front, and he had a guy with a guitar there. And he led this prayer time, had us get in groups of four or five uh, from where we all were just standing. And, and then he kind of guided us a little bit, and, and we prayed together as we were there. And... Uh, I remember they sang a few, a couple of songs. This guy on the guitar played a couple of songs, but um, we had an hour-long prayer session. I remember when he said to us, "You know what? It's uh, time to time to wrap it up." And I couldn't believe it. It seemed like five minutes, and I was like, "You're kidding me! That, That was an hour. We prayed for an hour." Now, I have been to prayer meetings that were five minutes. That seemed like an hour. <laughs> but going to a prayer meeting that was an hour, that seemed like five minutes. Now, that was something unique. <laughs> that was something new. And I never forgot that. I, I didn't even know what, what just happened there. I remember there was even some tears as we were praying together, and it was just, it was really a special time. And it wasn't the guitar player. <laughs> I mean, he was, he was good, and the song we sang was good, but it was this time before the Lord that was such an amazing thing. Well, fast forward to 2020 and that uh, fun year <laughs> with COVID and all of those things that came up. Um, and because of that, I was on looking on 
internet one day, and I, uh, I came across, I think I got an email or something, about this prayer uh, coaching course that, that pastors could take. And, uh, and I was just about to flip through it, and then I saw the guy that was leading it was this guy that I saw at Shepherd's Conference. I was like, whoa, I would like to take a prayer coaching course from that guy. He seemed like, I don't know what he was doing. I don't know what exactly we did that day, but it was so special. It was so impactful. I want to find out what was that. I would like to learn from him. So I took this course. It was 90 days long. I took it with some other pastors. They were from big churches. They were, you know, and Kaya Bible Fellowship, our church, um, well, just, we've never had this many people at our church at one time, like you guys have here just today. And I know this isn't considered a huge church, but our church is little. And I was in this conference with guys that were 2,500, 3,000, 4,000 people in their church, and then me. <laughs> but it was neat to be with these guys and, and to learn together with them on this uh, Zoom call that we'd have every week for 90 days. And I learned some things about prayer that changed my life. And what was so life-changing about it is that it wasn't anything, you know, fancy techniques. It was just from God's Word. And, and, I, and I just want to share some of that with you this morning, uh, some of the things that I learned from that time when we were together. And uh, what I'd like to get across today, so I'll tell you up front just in case I don't do it. <laughs> it doesn't work. So at least you know what I tried to do. So what I'm going to try to do is say to you, the, the privilege we have of prayer is that we get to talk to God, not just a God, but the God, and that he is so amazing. He is so powerful. He is so off the charts that it's, it's just amazing that you and I can talk to him. That's one. Two is that that God called you and I to walk with him. And it's the most amazing thing we will ever do in our life. That's the second thing I want to get across. And the third thing is just some, some thoughts that Jesus taught us, some things that Jesus taught us about how to talk to him. So those three things. God is awesome. We get to walk with him. And some things that the Son of God, Jesus Christ, talked to us about this is how you pray. So with that, let's get started. First of all, you get asked a question like, what is prayer? And I've asked that to many people and say, well, it's talking to God. That's true. Bringing requests to God. That's true. But there's a guy that had this uh, definition that I, I really liked. I, I learned this on the prayer course. I, I heard from this there. But what he said, this, um, he said this, Alan Reed, he said, prayer is intimacy with God that leads to the fulfillment of his purposes. It's actual intimacy with the creator of the universe. Intimacy, close. And that is something that I had not been experiencing in my life, in my prayer life. That that is what prayer really is. Intimacy with God, the creator of the universe. And in that intimacy and talking with him, seeing his purposes, not mine, but his purposes being accomplished in this world. Because his purposes are off the charts for anything that I have. In Psalm 19, we read this. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. Now, I love walking out and looking at the sky at night to see the stars. I, um, I bought a telescope, and uh, I got a good deal on it from a school up our way. It was a used one. But I love going out and looking at telescope and seeing things far away. I also got a microscope, too, because I like looking at little stuff, too, because all of it just blows me away at how awesome and amazing God is. The microscope and how detailed he is in the little things he makes and the telescope and how big he is and the things that he's made. Now, I, uh, I have a slide here that I got off the internet. 
I like photography, but I didn't take this one. And uh, this is supposed to be the Milky Way galaxy. Now, no one's actually seen it, but this is what they think it looks something like this. And I don't know if you can see it, but I'm going to put a little dot up there, see if you can see that dot. That's a life-size picture of, church, of, of, the, of the earth. No, actually it's not. Um, from what I understand, that would be roughly where the earth sits, maybe a little farther out, but roughly right about there in the Milky Way galaxy. And that little dot more than encompasses the earth, the moon, the star, not the star, the sun, our whole solar system. You couldn't even see it. If You can't even see it. It's so tiny. But like it'd be right about there. We'll say, well, that's where... Earth is roughly right there. That's not the amazing thing. What I looked up when I was reading about this, the amazing thing is this. If we were to travel from uh, where we are right now to the center, just to the center of this galaxy, well, what astronomers tell us, it would be 153,000 trillion miles. Now, that's a big number. (laughs) And to to even make it more spectacular, if you were traveling at the speed of light, 186,000 miles a second, it would take you 26,000 years at 186,000 miles a second just to get to the middle of our own galaxy. Whoa. I can't comprehend that big. And then the Hubble telescope, it took a picture in one of the remote spots of, the, of our, you know, looking out into the universe, one of the spots that looked very dark. And this is a very famous picture that it took. And uh, all of those things you see out there, those aren't stars. Those are all galaxies. Those are all galaxies. And they tell us that just the Hubble telescope alone enables us to see about 100 billion of those galaxies, like our Milky Way galaxy. And that's probably maybe not even half of what's actually out there. Well, what God has made, I can't comprehend in my mind. I can't hold it. And to think that you and I, we can talk to him. That we can talk to him. And he would listen, and he knows my name. And he made you and I in his image so that we could know him and so that we could look at these things and go, whoa, you are amazing. It isn't so that we could look and go, whoa, I am amazing. <laughs> I heard that about cats and dogs. You've heard that, hey? You know, when somebody, you feed your dog and dog's going, wow, you're my boss. You're amazing. You feed your cat, they look and go, wow, you fed me. That's because I'm amazing. <laughs> you can tell I'm a dog person. But anyway, yeah, we have the opportunity to talk to the one who made all of these things, all all of this, and he holds it together, and he spoke it into existence. Off the charts. It's off the charts. The Bible goes on to say in Psalm 8, David writes, When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers the moon and the stars which you have set in place. What is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Who am I? Who am I that you, you know me? That's amazing. Psalm 36 says this about God. It says that your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens. Like, you want to see how much God's love is, how great God's love is? Well, then you look out at that universe, and his love extends out there. It's beyond what you can comprehend. It's beyond what I can comprehend, the love of God. It extends to the heavens, and your faithfulness to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mountains of God, and your judgments are like the great deep. Man and beast you save, O God. That is our God. And if we turn over to the New Testament, in Ephesians chapter 3, Paul was trying to get across to the people of Ephesus, the church, the believers at Ephesus, to say, this is how great God's love is. It's beyond what you could comprehend. So therefore, he had a prayer. And in this prayer, he says, he was praying, he said, that they may have the strength to comprehend 
all, with all the saints, what is the breadth and the length and the height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. In other words, to be all that God called you to be, to understand who he is, and it's beyond what we can comprehend. I can't even comprehend what he's made, let alone who he is. But prayer is where we come before him. We come into his presence, and we talk to him, and we talk to him. And I have been doing that so casually in my life, and I've been part of prayer, or, uh, church gatherings where, um, like in our, in our class, we talk about these zipper prayers. <laughs> you zip the prayer meeting open, and you zip it shut, or the, or the you know, service. Just a little prayer at the beginning, a little prayer at the end. Instead of having prayer be what we're all about, the word of God and prayer, that, that it so permeates who we are, that we get to walk with his God, that we get to talk with him and to say, God, and that's my prayer this morning, to say, Lord, help us here to understand how great you are. We can't hold it all in our minds, but we can learn more and more about how great he is and be blown away by it in prayer. You know, uh, a bunch of years ago, um, our middle son, Jason, um, he was diagnosed with cancer when he was eight years old. He died when he was 13. And uh, in the midst of that five, those five very, very difficult years, I, I learned so much from the Lord. Um, I, I know sometimes I got angry with the Lord. <laughs> sometimes I, you know, said I... I remember one particular, two particular times I'll share with you. One was that... Um, I remember when he first started all of his treatments, and um, it was rough, really rough. He got really, really sick, and he couldn't get out of the hospital. He's eight years old, and we'd, I think, been in six weeks, and he never got out at all. They'd tell us three days of chemotherapy, and then he had three weeks off, but I didn't realize how sick he would get from those three days of chemotherapy, and he never got out of the hospital. And then we started the next three. And anyway... At the end of that six weeks, we said, well, we got to get him out of here. <laughs> this little guy has given up. He's, he's just getting so depressed. And we asked the doctor, can we get out for a day and go for a ride? And so we, they said, okay, you can get out, but then we have to start again in the morning, round three. And so Sherry and I took Jason, and we went out to a place called Stanley Park. It's in Vancouver. Beautiful park right in the middle of town. And we were going to drive him through there because he liked that place. And we were driving down through there, and Jason was sitting in between us in the front seat. And he started to complain about pain in his back. I mean, really complain. And he started to really cry. And, uh, and, it was, and the, more we, the farther we went, it, it, we couldn't calm him. We couldn't get him. Anyway, uh, and then we started getting upset. <laughs> and I started getting upset with Sherry. Like, we shouldn't have taken him out. What were we thinking? Why do we do this? And, oh, boy, you know, and we're... We're scared. We're, we're thinking, now it's in his back. What's going on? And so we drove straight back to the hospital. I, I took him up to the room, and I laid him in the bed, and I was, I was really upset. I laid him in his bed, and I told Sherry, you stay here with him. We'll talk to the doctor, see what's going on. And I just walked out of the place. And I went out on the front lawn, and I sat on a picnic table in the front. And, uh, and I remember I had a talk. I prayed. I prayed right there. It's probably one of my most authentic prayers up to that point in my life. And I was saying, God, you, you uh, tell us we're supposed to pray. And, uh, and so when Jason had this pain in his arm, I prayed that wouldn't be anything serious, and it was cancer. And then I prayed it wouldn't be a bad kind of cancer, and it was a Ewing sarcoma, which is a very aggressive bone cancer that's very serious. So I prayed, well, at least that it had not spread. We got there in time. It had spread to his lung. And I prayed, well, that the chemotherapy at least would go, you know, he'd be able to handle that, and all, on and on. It was like, and then his chemotherapy treatments were, he, the doctor said, even worse than most his reaction was, like almost, almost like an allergic reaction on top of how bad it is anyway. And, and so I said, now I sit at this picnic table, and you want me to talk to you about 
not spreading to his back? That you want me to ask him that hasn't spread to his back? Because what I'm finding out is, doesn't matter what I say, you do whatever you want anyway. <laughs> and, uh, and I remember as I sat there in that picnic table, I felt a verse came to my mind and I, I felt like God was speaking to me very directly. And what I was hearing him say was, you're starting to get it. I do whatever I want. And I remembered a verse that Sherry and I had learned. And when we came to Wonder Lake Bible Church, that was special to us back, we moved here, our family moved here in 1967, went to junior high and McHenry and high school. And we were, we started dating right after she got out of, got rid of her cooties when she was 15. And uh, they never came back. So really, I'm really happy for that. But anyway, um, one verse that we had picked as high school couple was Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but all your ways acknowledge him, and he'll make your path straight. And as I sat on that picnic table bench, that was a verse that poured into my mind. It's like, Doug, this is what it means. Trust me with all your heart. And right now, you don't understand. But I want you to bring everything to me. And I will. I will accomplish my purposes in your life. And it will be good. And I remember that was an amazing time of prayer I had with the Lord. It was so authentic. It was so powerful in my life. But the other thing was this. I felt kind of useless during those days. Because we had to leave Morristown. We had to move down to Vancouver. I wasn't able to complete my jobs that I had up there. And I was with my family because I had to be with them, but I couldn't fix the problem. And I just, there was not a lot to do other than be with my kids and be with my wife and all the things the doctors wanted us to do. And I started feeling kind of like, I'm not doing anything. And that's when the Lord introduced me to another guy. And it's not new, but it, it came to my mind, was this guy from Genesis chapter 5. You know him. Enoch. It says in Genesis chapter 5, verse 21, when Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah, who lived 969 years, died the year of the flood. But anyway, Enoch fathered Methuselah. And it says, Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years. And had other sons and daughters. And ends up, thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Because God took him early. (laughs) 365, just a young guy back in those days. (laughs) But God took him. Because it says he had pleased God. You know, Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. And if you jump forward to the New Testament... We, we see in um, Hebrews 11, it tells us, By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And what I was learning from the Lord there was, Doug, you're sitting here and you're not doing anything you think. But the greatest thing you will ever do is just walk with me. The God who made the universe has called you and I to walk with him. Jesus would come when he was on earth and he would tell us, the people that he met, you come, follow me. You will have no higher calling. I will never do anything greater in my life than just walk with God. And any other thing that I do will just be a product of walking with him. So often I get my eyes on the other things I could do and say, well, if I do that, then I'm significant. But no, walking with God is the most significant thing I will do. And walking with God and prayer are tied very closely together. They're tied very closely together. It says in the, in the next verse in the Hebrews, it says, and without faith, it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. we got to believe that he's there, that 
When we talk to the Lord, we're talking to the one who made the universe and he's there. And he hears us. And he knows what he's doing. And he's smarter than me. And he's more powerful than me. And I can trust him with my entire life. That's the God that we serve. Well, I found out that that guy that was uh, at the uh, Shepherds Conference, he was with an organization called the 6-4 Fellowship. And uh, I got tied in with that now because I really appreciate what they've done for me and helped me, and I want to see them help other people. But it's called the 6-4 Fellowship because of a verse in the Bible. It's because of Acts chapter 6, verse 4. And Acts chapter 6, verse 4 says this. That's the story of when, remember, the church was just exploding in growth. On the day of Pentecost, they had 3,000 men came, put their trust in Jesus. And then we get to Acts chapter 4, and we read that there was 5,000 additional men, men that put their trust in Jesus, not to mention women and children. The church was just exploding, huge, and there was... Problems that came up, believe it or not. You can have problems in a church. I'm, I, I'm not kidding. At the, yeah, I know. It's hard to believe here, but there are places where there are problems in a church. And here was a church that went from not existing to thousands of people in a very short period of time. And they had some problems that came up. And they had to deal with them. And, and they're in the midst of dealing with the waiting on tables, taking care of widows, some things they had to do. And they had said you know, okay, this is what we're going to do, and they, they got some guys to deal with the problem. But this is what the disciple, the apostles said. He said, we'll do, you guys deal with that problem, but we, we, we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. They were saying, this is the most important thing that we could possibly do. All these other things are important, we've got to do them. But in the church... And this church should grow and be healthy. This is the most important thing that we have to do. He said, prayer and the ministry of the word. And he even put prayer first. I don't want to put a whole lot of significance in that, but, but that these two things, prayer and the ministry of the word, and, they're, and, they, and we're going to find, I've been finding, they actually are tied together very tightly. But they said, we must devote ourselves to this and for the church's sake. I listened to a guy, his name is H.B. Charles, a really fiery preacher. I really like him. Anyway, this guy, he made this statement. He said, when you're up in an airplane, and he used, this is what he exactly said, 37,000 feet, and you're looking out the window, and you see the wing. And you look in the air, there's the right wing and the left wing. Which one is more important? That's not a trick question. (laughs) Yeah. Which one is more important? It's like, even if the left wing was half the size of the right wing, you got trouble. Or if it's tiny or gone. Well, this is what the apostles were saying. They said, it's like this airplane here. And saying, prayer and the ministry of the word, or that plane don't fly. And in a church, it's, that's what's crucial here. Prayer and the ministry of the word. And what I have found in my life, I was pretty good on the word, but pretty weak on the prayer. And realizing, what I, what I came to realize was prayer and the word are not to be separated, but prayer and the word are to be joined together. Because the Bible says the word of God is the sword of the spirit. The spirit of God uses the word of God in our life. Prayer and the word are not, two, are not to be two separate things in the church, but to be brought together like two wings of a plane that cause the plane to fly. And so that my heart's desire for our church, Kaya Bible Fellowship, my heart's desire for this church and for our mission is that we would be a culture of prayer and the word of God. It's not, we need to pray more and less in the word. No, no, don't back off on the word at all. But we need to pray and have that be a part of all that we do. All that we do. And, and to tie it together with the word of God. And that's what I was learning. So significant. 
life-giving prayer, not just empty prayer. And I found that life-giving prayer, it's made up of three aspects here. It's scripture-fed, praying with your Bible open, praying the Word of God. It's spirit-led, relying that you have the Holy Spirit within you as a believer in Jesus Christ. And as you read His Word, the Spirit of God in you, directing you, leading you, giving you understanding in His Word. And it's prayer that's worship-based. Prayer should be all about, not only, but all through it, based upon worshiping God. And when you get, we come before God that you didn't say, you know, oh, thanks for the food, amen. But rather to say, who am I talking to? Who am I talking to? It changes everything. It changes how you pray. It changes what you pray for when you get before God and say, I recognize who I'm talking to. I'm so thankful that you would listen to me. And I'm so thankful that you could do anything. Nothing is too hard for you. So the foundation of prayer is this scripture-fed. Um, don't pray with a closed Bible. I really, I've been learning to pray with my Bible open and to say, Lord, what should I pray about today? And take a passage of scripture, start there, pray from scripture. Um, this little thing I learned from uh, Daniel Henderson who was teaching it, he says, whoever starts a conversation tends to guide the conversation. You know, you ever have a conversation with somebody, somebody starts up talking, they're usually going to keep it going, and that's why they started in the first place. So, if you're thinking of that, have God be the first one to talk. Look in his word. Have him start the conversation. George Mueller, he was saying, I can't even read it back there, <laughs> but he was saying that when he begins to open up the book, the word of God, it says, then he has a basis from which to start praying. He put it like... Um, He's able to pray for extended periods of time and effectively. Otherwise, his mind would wander. And that's what I always find. If I just try to pray for a long time, oh man, I can't. I try to do a list or a lot of prayer meetings I go to, they were just a list that we went through. Nothing wrong with a list, but if that's all it is. But instead, when I open up the Bible and I pray, talk to God about what I'm reading, I can go on and on. There's, it's so much to talk about and in relationship to what I'm praying about. And it takes a pressure off of you. If you're leading a group, like we are learning how to lead a prayer meeting. If you start a prayer meeting with the Word of God, then you don't have to come up with things. It's already, up, it's already here. It's already in God's Word. Start there. With the Word of God, start praying from there. And you'll never run out of material. It says, you know, let the meeting begin rooted in God's word and in God's heart and in God's will because that's what you want to be praying about. The word of God keeps you focused on what you're praying for. And then the fervor of prayer is this spirit-led. Realize the spirit of God is in you. Don't let yourself forget that. I remember um, reading about that Charles Spurgeon, he said that when he would go up to preach, when he would walk up the steps to go preach, he said every step he would say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, I believe in the Holy Spirit, I believe in the Holy Spirit, I believe in the Holy Spirit. He's going to help me. He's going to help me. And to say that when we read God's word, we have the Spirit of God. We put our trust in him, and he does lead. He does guide. I've seen it. I've seen it. Praying the will of God from the word of God. See, because like we read there in 1 Corinthians, he knows. He knows the mind of God. We know our mind, but the Spirit of God knows the mind of God. And we have the Spirit of God. We rely on Him. Help us when we're praying. In Romans 8, it talks about how we, we don't know how we should pray. And we rely upon Him, the whole Spirit of God, to help us. So to rely upon the Spirit of God to help us in our times of prayer. Start in the Word of God and trust the Holy Spirit to give us insight into biblical truths. And help us to take these principles and form them into life-giving prayers. That's, that's real prayer. That's powerful prayer. And then we need to have faith. That's, that's saying, who are we talking to? Worship-based prayer. Worship-based prayer. You know, 
what we just looked at. It's impossible to please God unless you believe him. You believe him. You know, it says, if we're not praying in faith, if we're just mouthing words, then we're just wasting time. We're not. But when we pray believing, God is pleased with that. And uh, having a high understanding of who God is, who he is, realize who you're talking to, you know, that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. It's not just a grocery list. You're not just there to say, okay, this is my prayer. I need this and this and this. Sometimes, sometimes you don't have time to go through all these things. Like the example of Peter. <laughs> when he was walking on water and he started to sink, he said, help. Well, that was a quick prayer. <laughs> you know, I said, well, okay, we got to start with worship-based spirit. <laughs> help. <laughs> and that's, yeah. But he knew who he was talking to. He knew, and he believed him, and he knew where to go for help. We need to seek, this is so important, we need to seek God's face before we seek his hand. So often I would just be asking God for stuff. But prayer is more, 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 more than asking God for stuff. It's seeking his face. It's seeking his face. We come to God for who he is and not just for what we need. And uh, he says, because if we seek God's hand only, we might miss his face. But if we seek God's face, he's very willing to give us all the help we need. Because he already knows what we need. What God wants us to do is seek his face. He's not there to get information like, okay, now I need to understand what you need here. (laughs) He already knows. But when we seek his face, we come to understand who he is and become at peace with that. So, To help us focus on this, Jesus' disciples, when they were with Jesus, they would see Jesus pray. They saw him go off and pray by himself, but they also saw him pray in front of them. And it must have impressed them, because in Luke chapter 11, he said, would you teach us to pray like John taught his disciples to pray? And in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus also teaches them to pray. Same prayer. He says, pray like this. That's what Jesus said. Pray like this. You know what? That was not a suggestion. Jesus was teaching him. He said, do this. This is not, you know, like, hey, this is one way to do it. He said, no, pray this way. When you pray, pray this way. This is actually a command. And then he goes on to say this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the first part. And then the second part, now he says, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And if you were to break that down simply, the first part says, you're worthy. And the second part is, we are needy. I've been wearing this little rubber bracelet around on my wrist for a long time because I got it when I went to this prayer conference I went to. It's just this little, but on it, that's all it says. He is worthy. We are needy. Just always remind me of that. He's the one that's worthy. And when we come to him in prayer, we seek his face. You seek his face because he is worthy. And Jesus said, when you pray, pray this way. Start by lifting up who God is. You hold him up high. And let me tell you, when you do that, it changes how you look at your circumstances because you realize you got this. You can handle this. I know who you are. And you start with the word of God to do that. You pray from scripture. Whatever scripture you open up, you could say, boy, this does point to God and who he is. It tells me about him. Every every part of scripture, you can find something in it. Even when you think of that, you know, well, I just opened the Bible and it says, and Judas went out and hanged himself. (laughs) Well, there he got you there. You know, you can praise God from that too. You say, God, I thank you. <laughs> then in your wisdom and power, you chose Judas. And even that, you were accomplishing your purposes through that man. You were bringing glory to your name, and you were bringing salvation to me, even there. And I know you got this where I am. 
So, I mean, even that verse, you could pray from that verse, literally. If we were to break it down just a little bit more, we're almost done. He starts literally this way. He says, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. So the first thing he says is this, reverence God. You start and you pray that he would be reverenced. You hold him high. Reverence him. Then the next thing he says is this, your kingdom come, your will be done. Well, this is responding to who God is. You're the boss, not me. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And maybe there's a, this is a point for confession. Lord, forgive me for not having you be where you were supposed to be. And I just confess that to you now. I'm responding to who you are. And so Jesus said, every time you pray, do this. Hold up the name of God and pray that his name will be exalted. Then you respond to who he is. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. And then give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass or our debts as we forgive our debtors. And that is the requests. And the requests, if you'll notice there, one of them is our daily bread, the stuff that I need. And the other one is forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. Those are our relationships that we have to say, I'm getting to the request now. These are the things we need. And these are the the struggles of relationships and family and people and stuff that's going on, bring those to the Lord at that point. Those are requests. And then he says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. What he's saying is, now you're going to go out into the day and you're saying, Lord, make us ready for what we're heading into now today. We're heading out into this day. Lord, Satan's going to want to bring me down, but Lord, you direct my steps. You keep me from falling. You hold me up. You hold me. And he said, you pray that way. You pray that way in all your prayers. Pray this way. We've kind of taken it to just quote that prayer, but he didn't just say, quote this prayer. He he said, pray this way. This is a model for how you pray. Well, I hope that's helpful to you in praying. And uh, I know, you know, if you could... We, we had been learning to pray just opening the Bible and praying. You know, like I have here in front of me Psalm 46. And I read it, it just says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth gives way, though mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. And if you were to say, okay, How do you pray that? Oh, Lord God, I am so thankful that you are my refuge and that you are our strength. I thank you, Lord God, for the time you were refuge for Sherry and I when when our son was sick. That you are our strength and his strength going through that. And because we saw that, we will not fear. When other things come up, we'll not be afraid because it can trust you totally. You're total, totally trustworthy. Now I'm just um, both praying and giving an example of prayer. But you know, if you meet together as a church and you start praying like that in a prayer group where someone reads a passage of scripture and starts praying this and about how God met them in their life with that passage of scripture, I'll guarantee your prayer meetings will not be boring. They won't be boring because you're talking to God about who he is and how he's met you and you're praying with other believers about who he is and how he's met you and then how he needs to meet you now for what you need now. And Jesus said, pray this way and pray together like this. Pray together like this. We need that in the church. And uh, in closing, I'm just going to read from Acts chapter 4. Remember that story in Acts chapter 4 where uh, Peter and John, they healed a guy that hadn't walked all his life and begging for help. And they, he said, you know, silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus. Stand up and walk. And that guy got up and walked. And then they used that opportunity to preach. And they got thrown in jail. And they didn't know what to do with them. 
They brought him out and they said, look, this is what we're going to do. <laughs> no more preaching in the name of Jesus. And they said, well, it's right to obey you or God. You can be the judge of that, but we have to. And they said, well, if you do, there's going to be trouble. And they weren't kidding. Short after that, they killed Stephen. Later on in James chapter, or I mean, John, Acts chapter 12, uh, James was killed. They weren't kidding. But when those guys got out of jail, the first thing they did was went to their friends. They went back to the church. They said, this is what they told us. This is what, you know, they didn't start working on a strategy. Okay, now how are we going to do this? What do you, don't you say? What do you say? No, this is what they said. It says, and when they heard it, in Acts chapter 4, verse 24, and when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. What did they just do? These are guys that Jesus, they went to Jesus and said, teach us to pray. He said, okay, do it this way. So this is what they did. You're sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Who through the mouth of our father, of your father, our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. They were, they were quoting scripture here. For truly in this city were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Your will be done, your kingdom come. That's who you are. And you did it. <laughs> they were praying that model prayer. They got around to the request. <laughs> and now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant, this is what they're asking for. They weren't praying about health issues right here, although it was going to affect their health potentially. <laughs> More dangerous than drugs <laughs> as far as physical body. Now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. That's what you, we're asking you to do that, Lord. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. <laughs> They're saying, we're going out from this place and we need you to go with us. We need you to go ahead of us. And we're asking you to give us boldness that we don't have right now. And what happened? It says, and when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. We have a, an example of prayer right there and how they did it, what they did. Well, that's the crux of what I want to get across. <laughs> prayer and the word of God. Not one or the other, both. Essential, essential to going forward. And if I could, um, you know, on the November 22nd of 2020, um, that was when we had 40 days left in the year. And just a few days before that, I was just going to bed and I thought, we're always doing stuff on Zoom because of COVID up there. We were then. I thought, you know... I wonder, it would be pretty cool to end this year praying every morning from 6 to 7, like this, opening the Bible, praying from Scripture, lifting up God's name, worship-based prayer, Scripture-fed, Spirit-led worship-based prayer. Let's do it. And so we started on November 22nd, 2020, for 40 days. And several people from our church joined us, my, my son and, his, and some of our grandkids and, and his wife and Anyway, we started, and we prayed through those 40 days from 6 to 7 every morning. And we got to the end. I'm with Scott, my oldest boy. He said, Dad, are you going to quit now? Because he said, you know what? He said, my life's been changed by doing this. I'm more bold at work. Every day I go to work, and I just feel like I'm ready, I'm ready to walk with the Lord today. Because we spent an hour praying together from the Word of God. Are we going to quit? <laughs> Well, your son asks you that. It's like, that's a leading question. It's like, yeah, we're quitting because I don't want that happening in your life. <laughs> Got to put an end to that. <laughs> I said, no, I guess we can't really quit because I really was getting a lot from it too. And, you know, it's still going on today. 
I met with my granddaughters, because on Sundays not very many join us, because <laughs> they're going to church, but, but there was a few, even today. Here it's nice, it's 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock, because we're on the Pacific Coast there, so it's earlier. But we've been doing it every day for the last year and a half, and it's been so, so life-changing. And I'm not saying you have to do something like that, but I, I do want to encourage you to be men and women of prayer, that this church would be known as a church of prayer and the word, prayer and the word, that that's what you'd be known for, that God's name would be honored and lifted up. And I'd just like to close with a, a prayer that I also learned to pray in this course that helped me a lot that I've been praying every morning since I learned it. (laughs) And it goes like this. Lord, I thank you for this new day. And I present myself to you today as a living sacrifice. I declare you to be the Lord, the master, the king of my life. And I'm committed to obeying you today. I'll do whatever you ask me to do today, no matter how difficult or hard it is. I will love my wife as Christ loved the church. I'll be the kind of father to my children and grandchildren that you are to me. And I'll do my part to build your church, Achaia, our church up there, and around the world. I'll read your word. I'll be devoted to prayer. I will not grumble or complain about anything. But I will rejoice always. And I'll love any person that you bring into my life today, no matter how difficult or hard they may be to love. And I'll take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ And I'll speak words that edify and build up and tear down. And I'll live this day as though this were my last before I stand before the judgment seat of Christ and I'm recompensed for deeds done to the body, whether good or bad. And Lord, I cannot do this in my own strength. So Lord, Spirit of God, would you fill me and empower me to do these things that I know will please you? And would you grant me wisdom to know what to do or say in all the circumstances I find myself in today? I thank you for this new day. Amen. That prayer has never gotten old for me. It's never gotten old. It's a, it's a great challenge. And the Lord has used it greatly in my life. And I, I pray he does in yours as well. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more information about Wonder Lake Bible Church, visit wlbiblechurch.org.